Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for episode two. Our topic this week is teletherapy, but before we dive into that, I did want to follow up on last week's topic. Um, We had an amazing response to our first episode, so thank you all for listening and weighing in. Um, One person that reached out to us was a friend from graduate school, Teresa. She actually does teletherapy um, permanently, not just during a pandemic. And she's on Instagram at lady in the box, which is the perfect name for that. But I was checking her page out, which I suggest you do. And she just recently posted some information on the national black association for speech language and hearing, which I didn't even know was a thing. So I would seriously, yeah, I would suggest checking that out. Um, because I think it's useful. So our new topic this week is teletherapy, and Claire's going to start us off. Yeah. So I'm sure that many of you SLPs can relate. And just to preface, this show is definitely for parents too. So parents, if you're listening, I'm going to have some really fun activities to share that you can implement with your child as well. It doesn't just relate to teletherapy. So um, please don't stop listening. (laughs) Um, So with the COVID and the lockdowns in place, I feel like it's just been a really big learning curve for us in terms of providing therapy to clients and to students. And parents, these frustrations are, I'm sure, just as relevant, if not even more, because you want to make sure that your child isn't missing out on crucial milestones. So teletherapy has been an option, I feel like in most schools and most clinics at this point, but I feel like a lot of us are treading lightly because this is the first time we may have ever provided these kind of services. So these next few minutes, again, are relevant for SLPs, but also parents, because you can both use these specific activities um, either in therapy or in your home to facilitate language. Um, So before we dive into talking about teletherapy, I did want to really quickly just highlight on my personal fails with teletherapy. I know I mentioned that I work for a elementary school that services children K through fifth grade, but I also work for a company that provides services like speech therapy to children that have IEPs, but for some reason are homeschooled or complete their schooling online. 
And when COVID happened, that population definitely soared because of that resource. And this company reached out to me and they said, are you interested in getting trained on teletherapy? And at first I thought that was kind of weird because I didn't know what training I needed, but I signed up and went forward with it. And even in the training, I was like, this is kind of silly. I know all of this. I feel like I'm pretty good with technology. I think it's going to be fine. So I start my first session and it's on the platform Adobe Connect, which I had never used before. And I'm starting the session and everything's going great. And I'm like, I think we're going to take a break. We're going to play tic-tac-toe. Everyone loves that. Here we go. So I get the whiteboard out and I draw the tic-tac-toe board. I'm like, okay, go ahead. It's your turn. She's like, you have to give me my pencil. And I'm like, what? give you your what? She's like, I don't have permission to get my pencil. Like I, you have to unlock it on your settings. So I started panicking. I couldn't find the pencil. It was a major fail. So anyways, the point of this all is the importance of being familiar with your teletherapy platform is huge. I stress that a lot. I think you should. Well, there's so many platforms too, is the issue. There's, I feel like I hear of a new one every day. So it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them. Right. So my biggest point here is that as a therapist, take the time, click around on the platform, (laughs) get familiar, figure out how to give your student the pencil and it'll be (laughs) great. I think the biggest thing is just to roll with the punches for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I bet there are so many SLPs out there that have similar stories because we're all just learning throughout this whole thing. Um, So I think Asha has provided us with a lot of really great CEU courses to kind of help us get into that teletherapy mindset and uh, really help us dive into those services. Also, if you don't know already, CEUs are free through June 30th through ASHA. So hop on it. Seriously. Like you can get all of them done. Um, as many as you need or all of them, if you need all your hours. So SLPs seriously get, get on that. So one of the courses that I looked at was called using telepractice to address early intervention needs. And this was presented by her name's Angela Hine. Sikia, and I'm sorry, I probably butchered her last name, so I apologize, but she is an SLP from Case Western Reserve University, Um, and I really, really loved her talk about uh, the telepractice, especially because I feel like a population that we're so scared to work with over telepractice is those little ones, so ages like maybe two to four, so those early intervention kids, because how do you get a toddler to sit and look at you and pay attention and participate in speech therapy when you're not actually in person. So she describes that, unfortunately, there is really a limited amount of evidence-based practice for telepractice itself, but especially for early intervention. Um, it's just kind of a new thing, and it was, it was developing already, but there just hasn't been enough out there and enough research on it yet, so we have to rely a lot on our own clinical data. Um, so we're so used to conducting therapy based on evidence-based practice and parents, if you're listening and you're not sure what evidence-based practice is, basically it's just providing therapy through techniques that have been proved um, based on research studies and data. So we, we use a lot of evidence-based when we're conducting therapy because it's been proven to work. 
So she also talks about using now practice-based evidence. So we're basically kind of the leaders in teletherapy at this time. So it's really our job to take the data and to report on it. So taking that data and then comparing it to your in-person sessions and saying, hey, you know, my patient or client is making progress similarly on teletherapy as they would in person, or maybe they're not. And that's, that's, research and that's data that you can report on as well. So I know a lot of us aren't super passionate about research, but we do, I feel like need to come together as a field because teletherapy is going to continue and we really don't know for how long, but I think it's here to stay at least from most of the people that I've been talking to. Yeah. I think that's a great resource too, because mm -hmm. it kind of opens the door for a lot of people that maybe don't have transportation or for whatever reason, um, it just mm -hmm. fits their needs better. And that's super important to keep in mind. Exactly. Um, and I think it's a really great thing for clinics and schools to provide as an option, especially over the summer to kind of continue those therapy services. So going back to kind of the, the course to the, one of the last things that she talked about was parent coaching for these early intervention kids. Uh, I think we all know, all of us that work with the little ones know that parent coaching is always a huge part. But sometimes in our teletherapy sessions, that's kind of all you get because maybe they just got up from a nap. Maybe they didn't get a nap. Maybe they cry for the first 10 minutes. And that's just what you get. All of those have happened to me. So your therapy session becomes parent coaching. And that's okay because the parent needs to know how to facilitate language for their child in their home. So giving them really good ideas to use with things that they already have. I know in one of my sessions uh, early on, uh, the first thing I did was, I had them take me through their playroom and I got to see all the toys they had and the books they had. And I gave specific suggestions of how they could use these toys and books every day so that they could kind of facilitate that. So I think that that's really important. So check out that course. If you get a chance, I will link that on our Facebook page um, for this episode, but it was, it was really informative. So I watched a couple other courses and I felt like I watched them all in the beginning of the whole pandemic and lockdown. And I felt like it was a lot of the technicalities and kind of um, trying to get my confidence up about teletherapy. But I found myself wishing I had more actual ideas on what I could do in therapy sessions. I was like, I need somebody to just tell me an activity that has worked that kids will actually do. So I feel like I tried everything I could in the first few weeks. And I, like I said, had some sessions where the kid just wouldn't do anything or cried for 10 minutes. But yeah, I've been that there. has happened to everyone, yeah, right? That happens rough. in person. Yeah. And right. It happens in person sometimes too. So like Rachel said, you roll with the punches. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it felt kind of like starting over in a way, but it was better because we already had a relationship, the child and I. So they trusted me and they knew me, but it was starting over with new expectations for participating in work. And I had to come up with things that would motivate them to do that work. So again, we started a little bit rocky, but then I started to become more comfortable and the child became more comfortable and something awesome happened. Mm. Progress, which I'm sure you guys have started to see because we've been doing telepractice for long enough. I hope that USLPs out there are still seeing progress in these sessions. Um, I feel like we're all adapting the child and the clinician to this new therapy dynamic and things are just flowing. So again, I feel like with the right tools, we really can gain that confidence to be 
really strong and awesome in-person and teletherapy clinicians. Yeah. I feel like once you break through the uncomfortableness or the awkwardness or just not being used to Mm -hmm. providing teletherapy, then your sessions kind of start to take off. That's at least how it happened for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So through my Pete's clinic that I worked at, I'd been providing therapy for like two to three months. um, And I saw kids ages ranging in two to 15. And I learned so much. I feel like I learned more there than I have in a really long time because it was such a new experience. Uh, So I'd really like to share with you some specific things that I've done that I feel are tried and true and will hopefully help you feel more confident going into the sessions. So I'll link the actual material the materials, um, like their Amazon link or whatever I found them on, on the Facebook page so that you can get a visual of what I'm talking about, or if you want to buy them and use them in your sessions. So I do want to say too, that there are some really great interactive tech resources out there. If you're able to screen share on the platform you're using screen share, unfortunately doesn't work through Epic telehealth visits, which is what I was using with my clinic. So I don't know if there's anybody out there that uses that as well, but a downside to that is you can't screen share, which is very frustrating. So I had to think of things where the child was going to be fully engaged in just me because that's literally all they were looking at. Um, so parents, now's the time to listen up because these activities can be used in the home as well. It's probably stuff that you already have in your house. So my first activity that I tried and I love were those little plastic eggs that open and close. Um, Easter was shortly after lockdown. So I honestly just brought these into my sessions as a holiday activity, but they are definitely here to stay. I hide everything and anything that fits in here. I feel like it's so great for requesting to open, for labeling what's inside, imitating the actions. The kids have so much fun when I'm like, okay, let's crack the egg, crack, crack, crack. And they bang their little hands on the table with me and they think it's fun. Uh, So just to kind of get them moving. You can also work on expanding utterances through adding colors or sizes of eggs. A lot of the eggs are sold in big and little, uh, so you can work on that concept. I've also folded up pieces of paper in there for the older kids with their target sounds um, or describing actions and pictures uh, just so it's a little more age appropriate for them and not just labeling. Seriously, there's endless possibilities here. I feel like you can really do anything with these. One thing I love these two. One thing I always use them for is preposition. So those um, yes. words like targeting on top of, next mm-hmm. to, underneath, etc. So yeah, definitely. Another great one that kind of has that hiding component in it. I feel like kids love when they can't see what's inside. They're like, oh, what is it? It's like a surprise and a gift that keeps on giving. So uh, these cups, you can hide in pretty much hide whatever in them. So I used see-through cups that were different colors. So you could... They were a little bit see-through, not totally, so you couldn't tell 100% what was inside, Um, but they knew something was in there, so they wanted me to lift it up and tell them what it was. So I hid animals in there. I hid little cars. I hid blocks at one point for labeling colors. Um, Again, a lot of different things, but these cups, um, again, because they're different colors, it's good for telling which colors to turn over. So I want blue cup or I want green cup, Um, but then we could also practice the concept of under. So the cow is under the green cup and so on. Um, so great for expanding utterances, practicing those prepositions, uh, requesting, and seriously, again, so much more. They love it. 
barn and animals. These are, so like that big red barn that has the little plastic animals, I'll link it on the page. But this is all about pretending, pretending so much. Kids love hearing these animal noises, uh, especially when it's paired with you making a silly face. I <laughs> seriously stick the plastic animals right up to my mouth so that they can see my mouth moving. They know where the word is coming from. And it's an immediate reinforcer because they think it's silly and funny and hopefully they'll even imitate those sounds or those words. And if you have a barn with two levels, that's also great for, like Rachel said before, practicing top bottom concepts. So you can put the animal on top or bottom uh, and also then asking them, where is the animal? I love the barn. I feel like that's a staple. I know, right? me every, too. Every SLP needs that. And that's also mm -hmm. the perfect activity for littles when encouraging, like expanding those utterances and expressions, adding mm -hmm. cow and moo together. For um, sure. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Kind of going along with that recorded animal noises. So I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you Google cow noise, it literally just comes up with a little recording and it says, moo, like really funny. I have not tried yeah, that. It does it. And then it gives you the option for more animal noises. And you can oh. literally select the animal noises on there. I have to give props to um, Jenny Bajorium. Bajorium. <laughs> I'm sorry about names. I'm bad at them. Um, she's the, the founder of Bajoram Speech Publications. I'm going to link her also. She's awesome. She's, I absolutely love her page. I love her Instagram. Um, I watched one of her webinars through SLP Telecon, which unfortunately is not available guys. So I'm sorry for that. But, um, basically she, she did give me that idea for the animal recordings and, Pretty much all I do is I, I set it on my phone that's out of sight. And all of a sudden, even randomly throughout the session, I'll play it and I'll be like, oh, what was that? And make a really big deal out of it. Oh, and they think it's the funniest thing. Gosh, this is my new favorite thing. <laughs> it's awesome. It's seriously hilarious because they can't see where it's coming from. So I've had kids seriously think like a cow is in there or oh, something. I love it. I'm so excited. It's hilarious. You could even you can even incorporate your plastic animals with it too and have them walk up to the screen like, oh, you found the frog or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, super fun. Uh, next is play food. So again, this is a staple, I think too. I've put the play food around the room. I put it around the clinic so that we can get out of the room and literally go virtually shopping. So I'll have a little cart with me and I'll be filming, uh, or I'll turn the screen around so that they can see where I'm going and they can tell me what to pick up. Um, it's great for targeting WH questions, categories. So is it a fruit or a vegetable, uh, and description. So describing what it tastes like, what it feels like, kind of that exp expanding expression tool. You can kind of target with that. My next one is feed the woozle. If you haven't, if you haven't seen this game, you have to, it's so much it's, fun. I have to say it's everywhere. Oh. I've never played it. Oh my God. I love it. I hadn't played it actually until teletherapy. One of the other SLPs I work with had brought it in from her house and it's seriously my new favorite game. And it works for younger and older kids. It works as a reinforcer. It can be implemented to target some goals. I've used it for targeting multi-syllable words because the things you feed the monster are very, um, they're multi-syllabic. So, Wait, so like, how do you play? Like what's the, so point? there's little circle, there's little circles that have the food on them. So it's gross food, like a muddy meatball, toenail toast, spider okay. pudding. Yeah. And then it's this big, um, I don't know how 
I just got a big like monster head who has an open mouth and you basically just feed the monster. There's a big spoon in there too. I love it. To be honest with you, I don't know the actual rules of the game because I just play it over virtual. Yeah, that's like I've been playing Uno wrong my entire life. Exactly. Right. And you just do it for whatever makes the kid happy and you just kind of go with it. So um, again, I just have them say the words or I have them make a choice between what we want to feed them. Uh, My favorite is negation. (laughs) So when we say the monster does not like this. So I'll either have, when I feed the monster, I'll either have it go through his mouth and I'll do a burp noise, which they think is hilarious. That means he (laughs) does like it. Or I throw it at the screen. I spit it out and I say, and that means he does not like it. So the kids, again, get a big kick out of these silly noises. They just like seeing you be goofy. So that's a huge part of it. Uh, last, I want to talk about scavenger hunts. I feel like these are fun on teletherapy. They're fun at your home. They're fun wherever. I, I did that in person therapy sessions as well. Uh, for older kids, though, this is good for taping up pictures with their target sound around the room or around the clinic. And again, they can tell you where to go look for them. So you can hide them out of sight and they can be like, oh, go look behind the computer or go look wherever so that they're engaged and they're wanting to find these pictures. Uh, I've also used this with, you know, basic objects for kids practicing concepts. So I'll say, where's the apple? And I'll be showing them where the apple is and they have to tell me it's under the table to use those prepositions in the right way. I love that. So I did, we had weekly Zoom meetings um, set up for my school and specifically in my school, I have two self-contained classes and those were the ones where we did um, scavenger hunts and they loved it. It was so fun to see what everyone had to get. We would Mm -hmm. all get up, go find it, bring it back. And then that's where I would kind of hop on. Like, I need you to describe it. Tell me, like kind of go through the EET Mm -hmm. um, portion and then also similarities and differences. So I know we said find something fuzzy, but you brought a sock and you brought a teddy bear. How are those the same? How are they different? Fine. Oh, I love that. That's such a good idea. Which is awesome. I did want to mention two other things. I know we're going to eventually do a episode on helpful apps and technology resources that are out there. But one thing that I've used a lot is k5learning.com. They have tons of free stories on there. And then they usually follow them up with WH questions or sequencing story events or vocabulary. They have tons. So that's awesome. And then another thing that I love is if you just Google picture scenes for language development or some places call them silly scenes, some places call them social scenes, whatever. It's a picture with tons of crazy things going on. So Mm -hmm. I was using one today and it was a picture of a bunch of people at the pool and instead of a life ring, he has a donut and the diving board's a pencil and all of these crazy things. And I kind of use it as an eye spy, like I want you to find the pencil. Then once they find the pencil, we work on describing it, what would actually be there. So we wouldn't really have a pencil for a diving board. We would use a diving, you know, kind of walk through that and kids love it. They think they're hilarious. And those kind of things too, if you, if you get a chance or if the parent is really involved and you can send it to them beforehand so they could print it out and they could actually be doing it as you're going for teletherapy, I feel like that would be super effective too. If you can't screen share, like I couldn't, um, that could be a good option for that. Right. So, so overall, I feel like with little ones, I have found the most success in being silly, 
like I've said in pretty much everyone, I make funny faces, I make funny sounds and getting around and moving. They, they are sitting at hopefully a table or a desk Mm -hmm. and they have to be paying attention to you, but you can at least make it, you know, engaging and entertaining for them. So I feel like it's also helped if they're at a table or a desk because then they can't grab or look at all their TV, I'm sorry, all their toys or a TV in the background or a brother that's playing with something or whatever it is. So make sure they're set up in something that's quiet and an area where they're not going to be distracted. I feel like that's been a huge, huge thing for mine. Um, If you're able to screen share, meaning the child can see the same screen you can for these teletherapy sessions, there's also some really fun YouTube videos and other activities on the internet. Um, Honestly, just Googling like language YouTube or uh, Google truly can bring up some of the exact things you're looking for, but we'll link some. And we'll also have, like Rachel said, I think we need to dedicate an entire episode to just apps and tech services that you can implement because there's so many. Um, Two more I wanted to touch on real quick because they're my absolute favorites. And then I'll be done talking about all of the activities, but these are two um, that you can use for screen share. You can also use, I've tried to use these if you can't screen share, it just requires the client or patient to have like a separate iPad. So if they're watching you on the computer, they would have to have an iPad to see this activity. So uh, books is the first one. Virtual books is what they are. Um, I don't know how many of you guys use books in therapy. I hope all of you, I use them with seriously every child. I feel like they're a great reinforcer. They're great for learning. Um, This is an awesome way to keep books as a part of your session. It's free for the first month. I honestly don't know how much it is after that, but I don't think very much. Um, but they're super fun and engaging and interactive. Yeah. I love these. You turned me on to them. Yeah. You sent us a text in our little mm-hmm. speechy group and I love them. I usually screen share. We watch the story together. They have, um, familiar titles that everyone knows. And then they, I also have some that I've never heard of, which is awesome. And it, turns the book into an interactive story and they watch it. They think it's super engaging. And then again, just run through those target questions or activities after it's perfect. It's so much better than I, at first I was, well, and I still kind of was just trying to read through the book virtually, like over the screen and that's fun and all, but it's just not the same as holding the actual book or actually seeing the pages. So I think this is a really, really good thing to have, especially parents too. This would be really fun for you to have if you want some new options for books. And I think libraries are still closed. So this would be a really good thing for you guys to look in into boom cards. You all knew that I was going to say boom cards. I'm sure if you've never heard of boom cards, I don't know where you've been. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I hadn't heard of boom cards actually until teletherapy happened. So I was kind of, I jumped on that boom card wagon because it is awesome. There's so many free ones or you can make your own and it's super easy. I've made a couple of my own to target specific clients that I've had. And it's so, so easy. Um, I personally used some by sending families a fast link. So you can send them a fast link to do for homework and you can see their progress. So I love that aspect too. Um, I know a lot of SLPs are using them interactively during their sessions if they're able to screen share, but again, you can send it as homework as well. So we'll link that because that's a really, really awesome resource. I just looked up books and it's only $4.99 a month. 
Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. That's amazing. That sounds very worth it. Well, and I love that they give you the free month because then you yeah. can kind of check it out and see if it's actually working for you or for your family, whoever you're using it for. Right. Um, but and yeah, definitely check it out. Don't quote me on this, but um, our friend that I mentioned earlier, Teresa, Lady in the Box, has an amazing Teachers Bay Teachers. Yes. And, I'm pretty and sure Boom she Cards. She does. Makes I just. The boom Cards. Yes. I actually looked at them the other day because she said she made that she has a ton of them. Tons. So props to her because yeah. she's like, yeah, she's amazing. So yeah, check her out. Guy, for so sure. check, yeah, definitely. Okay. That was a lot of activities and a lot of ideas, but I hope that I gave you some things that you can really start to use at home or in your therapy sessions or um, wherever to really help your little ones and to help you know, kids of all ages kind of interact and learn at the same time. And there's just so many things to incorporate. So I, I really think that it is our time to make sure that our clients are still receiving quality services, even if it's over teletherapy. Right. And I can tell you right now, I'm going to be using the surprise cow sound. <laughs> That'll be really fun. And I feel like I need a woozle. Right. Please do. Yes. You'll love it. You won't regret it. I'm going to add that on. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much again for joining us. As always, you can find me on Instagram at super sweet speech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to reach out to me at speech is super sweet at gmail.com. You guys can also follow us. Um, Please follow on, us. Yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. We'll post the links too if you're already following us, um, but you don't have some of them. So make sure you guys give those a like and a follow. We would also love if you subscribe to the podcast. Yes. That way you know when new episodes come out, you get all the awesome information and yeah. And you get to listen to us once a week, which yeah. is so fun. <laughs> um, so you can find, also you can find me, Claire, on Instagram uh, through my Instagram account, kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in Virginia or Ohio is in need of speech therapy, those are the two states I'm licensed um, and can do some teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Again, just please make sure that you look out for the Let's Talk About Speech Facebook and Instagram also, because we are on it and we want you guys to be with us all the time. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much <laughs> Thank for you. supporting us. Yes, we appreciate it so much. Thank yeah. you. So we will see you next Taco Tuesday. Bye.